Hey everyone, this is Craig Horlbeck from the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Join me, Danny Heifetz, and Danny Kelly every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to help you win your draft, win your league, and most importantly, avoid that last place punishment. Follow the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify. It's the Ringer's Philly Special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Welcome to the Local Angle on FanDuel TV and to those listening to the Ringers Philly Special. I'm Sheila Kapadia, joined by Ben Solak, Benny Souls. You still got the Eagle sweatshirt on. You're still feeling okay. I have a way. I just want to say, how are you? And then I have a way Mm -hmm. to frame how we got to talk about this Eagles 42 to 19 loss to the 49. Is that how you pronounce it? Loss? Loss. Am I saying that right? It's been a while. I haven't. It's I don't use this word very often over here. (laughs) Yeah, I thought the Eagles would lose this game because they had a tough game against the Chiefs and they had a tough game against the Bills. It was a tough stretch. They haven't been playing their best ball. Eventually, your chickens come home to roost. Like, and with the Niners as motivated as they were to win this game, I expected the Eagles to come in and lose this. I talked about that uh, last week on Philly Special. This just kind of smells like a letdown spot for the Eagles. I didn't expect 42-19. That's not great. I think mean, there's a lot to discuss in terms of how the Niners found the success they did and why they were so successful. Pretty much after the first couple of drives, they just turned that thing on and it never turned off. And so I think there's a lot to go into like why the loss was so substantial. I'm nowhere near like panic mode. Walls are crumbling down with the Eagles. The Eagles are clearly still a very good team. They're clearly still among the class of the NFC, among the class of the NFL. They they were due for a loss. They got their loss. They got punched in the face and we'll see how they respond. Okay, so we'll get to all, all of that. I mean, you give up touchdowns on six straight possessions. Uh, on defense, Jalen Hurts leaves the game, comes back into the game. We'll get into all of that. But here's how I want to frame it. All right. So, you know, we're, we're both on like different Eagles text threads and, you know, hearing from different people. I feel like there are two camps right now. I'm going to give you the two camps. And based on your initial answer, I think I know which one you fall in. But maybe after I make my argument, you're going to change your mind. All right. So here, here's camp number one. Eagles are frauds. Okay. They, they, they were getting outgained by over 90 yards in four straight games. They were losing at halftime in four straight games. Uh, their their uh, point differential was bad. They were 10th in DVOA. And now in a big spot after the 49ers talk noise for 10 months, they come into your house and they kill you 42 to 9 We should have seen this game coming uh, all along. You can't keep winning the way the Eagles were winning games. Yes, they were 10 and 1, but we all know they weren't as good as that record indicated. This is the start of something. There's going to be more losses this season. This team is probably not going to the Super Bowl. That's that's camp number one. I don't know if yet, you know, we have a name for that. I know, I know some some folks in that camp for sure. You know some people like that. Okay. And camp number two. 
everyone settled down, okay? This was the 49ers Super Bowl. They had this game circled on their calendar. They couldn't get there last year. They were whining all offseason. They come in uh, and they win this game. Who cares? The Eagles are still 10-2. and two. They're still the one seed in the NFC. It doesn't mean anything that, that substantial for them. You know, this could end up being the best thing for them. It resets everything. Like you said, they get punched in the face. Now you refocus, you, you get the intensity back up, you go to Dallas next week and you win. Guess what? You're probably still going to be the one seed in the NFC. And if you play the 49ers again, the 49ers are going to have to come back to the link. It's going to look a lot different uh, that time. So listen, if everyone wants to panic for 24 hours, go ahead. But it's not that big of a deal. It's one loss. All right. So those are the two. Give me, uh, all right, do you have some parts of one tugging at you? Do you have some parts of two tugging at you? Where, where do you kind of stand with those two viewpoints on this Eagles team? Yeah, I'm mostly in camp too because the Eagles are very good uh, and they have extremely good players and they have a coach who's won a ton and they have a quarterback who's won a ton and, and they're good. Like they're they're We have such a large enough sample over the last two years of this team just winning games to be like, all right, they usually win games. Now, the the part of me that does tug to camp one, the little, you know, quiet, terrified voice in the back of my head, the question that he's asking is, well, okay, uh, Ben, you watch, like you watch football, you cover football. What are the defensive adjustments they make to solve the problems that they had against the Niners offense? And the answer that my head gives is, I, I, I <laughs> get healthier at linebacker. Uh, and, and I'm not sure I myself believe Nicobe Dean and Zach Cunningham are that good. Sign Shaq Leonard. I don't think I myself believe Shaq Leonard is that good. I think uh, uh, adding players at linebacker can help solve s- some of the problem for you. I think it can mitigate some of the bleeding. But the Eagles now at this point have just given up a lot of production to wide receivers, right? Enormous Debo Samuel game. I think the two touchdowns that Debo Samuel scored as well, excuse me, the second and the third touchdown he scored, he scored on a a reverse and then he scored on a screen and and a catch and run. Yeah, the second and third touchdowns that Debo Samuel scored uh, where he's just running away from everybody in the secondary. Those are the ones where you look at and you just go like, oh, that's right. Like both the Eagles starting corners are over 30. Bradley Roby is also hitting 30. Uh, They don't have fast linebackers. Uh, Reed Blankenship, I think he's like a, a nice, decent safety, but he's not very fast. Kevin Byers a little bit long. Like the Eagles have no speed. They're not fast enough for this. Like even if you're covering the guys well and you're tackling the guys well, eventually you you get Debo in space, you get McCaffrey in space, and like the Eagles just don't have a a solution for that. They don't have a solution. Like Brandon Ayuk was on Darius Slay the whole game, and Ayuk had himself just a nice, solid performance, right? Like they even their their stars aren't winning defensively in the back seven against the Niners stars, then throw in the fact that they're so beat up at linebacker and nickel corner. Eli Ricks was out there and getting picked on every third down by Jawan Jennings. Like there, it's very, very hard to solve all the problems the Niners presented to you. So there's a, there's a quiet team camp one voice that's freaking me out a little bit, but in general, you trust the offense to have a much better, more balanced performance. You trust the pass rush to have a more impactful performance. Like you've just seen that over the course of so many games that Eagles play the Snyders again. It's going to be an extremely heated and well-contested game, well-fought game, two very good teams. Eagles could still very well lose, but you don't think they're going to get blown out 42-19 to again. I think you're right about what the biggest concern has to be. I mean, every time you looked up after a big play, it was Nicholas Morrow, Christian Ellis, Eli Ricks. These are not household names. I mean, th- these are guys who are not supposed to be starters on your football team who are now put into that role. Now, every team has injuries, so I don't want to make that some kind of huge excuse. Every team has weaknesses on their roster, and this is a specific opponent that's going to expose those guys. And boy, did he. I mean, when you give up touchdowns on six straight possessions, this was the second worst defensive performance in terms of EPA per drive by any team in a game this season. Like the 49ers have faced defenses that are not good this season. And the only one they did this to was actually, you know, ironically, the Arizona Cardinals were the only worst one. The Eagles former Don defensive Gannon, coordinator. Baby. He's John, always Jonathan there for Gannon. us being worse than, than, than others, being worse than Sean Desai. Thank you, Johnny Gans. <laughs> So I think you're right. If you have a negative, if you're a negative Eagles fan uh, watching this, listening to this, if you have a negative Eagles fan in your life, I think the biggest reason for that is because like, what, what's the fix? Like, I, you know, we'll, we'll look at it. We'll break down the X's and O's. Hey, Sean Desai could have done this. You could have tried this. Maybe mm-hmm. next time you do a little more of this. At the end of the day, it's what you said. Not only both corners, Ben, four out of your five members of your secondary are 30 years or older. None of them, I would say, is a great athlete. So now you have older players in the secondary and you have maybe, you know, the two weakest linebackers in the entire NFL. And by the way, the pass rush 
which, you know, that's just been the story of this franchise for so long. When the pass rush is good, the defense is good. When the pass rush doesn't get home, the defense is not as good. I mean, they've had some moments here in the last month, six weeks, whatever you want to say, where the, the pass rush really hasn't dominated. I mean, the first time they faced the Cowboys, and that's a big game coming up next week, Cowboys offensive line got the better of them for, I would say, 57 minutes of that game before they get yeah. a couple of sacks down the stretch, uh, you know, against the, the Chiefs. The Chiefs tackles had some issues. Uh, the Bills, even that Bills game. I mean, Eagles pass rush was not dominating in that Bills game. And then in this game, you have the first two possessions where you go, oh, okay, they might be able to handle this 49ers offensive line. They're getting after Brock Purdy. They force a couple three and outs. And then after that, it was like they didn't touch Brock Purdy. I mean, he was very comfortable uh, back there. Now, I don't know. Did you think that was more uh, just schematically how the 49ers are set up? I mean, they've schemed around kind of a talent deficient offensive line many times under Kyle Shanahan, or do you have some concerns about this Eagles pass rush and what they might be able to do and might not be able to do against some of the best teams in the NFC going forward? Yeah. So I think some of it was, was a uh, schematic decision-making, right? Uh, Desai walked out early uh, on early downs that we're not going to lose the run. So we're going to have five down defensive linemen, right? And so you're playing with you know, Jordan Davis, who doesn't provide as much for you as a pass rusher. And then you're thin at defensive tackle. And so you're on Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox and you don't have a lot behind them. Right. I think earlier in the season, the Eagles thought this would be Milton Williams and Contavious Street. And they didn't have that for them this game. Right. And so now it's a Marlon Tui Pelotu game. Right. And, and Moro Jomo, however many reps those guys got. Right. You're kind of have, uh, not at, at your ideal rotation there. And so, OK, you're playing with that that wide front and you're, you're trying to take away the run. Unless we forget those first couple of drives. The Niners were trying to get to the boundary. Like their initial game plan was very clearly like, hey, outside runs, reverses and quick screens. And like, let's go. Let's get outside of this team. You have Nolan Smith blowing up blocks and Hassan Reddick blowing up blocks. And the Eagles are playing the game that they want to play. Behind that, if you're going to go five down defensive linemen, you're just very limited in your coverage menu. Like unless you're going to drop a defensive end, which Eagles don't want to do, you don't have a lot you can play in coverage behind it. And so eventually the Niners got to a point where they just were able to get to their buckets, right? Five yards to IU, six yards to George Kittle, get a first down to Christian McCaffrey. Like that, that first scoring drive was just like small incremental passes. It was nothing big. And then all of a sudden there's a catch run for George Kittle. Bang. Uh, all of a sudden there's a catch run for Ibo Samuel. Bang. Like they get you with the yards after the catch, right? They get you because you struggle to tackle these athletes in space. I thought that Desai wanted to take away like uh, uh, deep middle throws, right? The Niners didn't make a lot of throws like that intermediate middle where they typically throw the ball so much. They didn't hit like a brand new, you run across the field, 15 yards down the field. Like that's usually their, their honey hole shot. And they had none of that in this game, but they didn't need it because, okay, if you're going to dedicate your line to taking away the run early, and then you're going to play with these deep dropping zones. We're just going to throw underneath and, and we feel like we can nickel and dime you and we can still get explosives because we have such good yak athletes and you can't tackle. And they were right about that. So I think that that decide needed to overall become more aggressive, uh, be more willing to live with the four down rush and lose a little bit more to the running game and be more willing to blitz and live with coverage behind it. Because if they're going to get 20-yard catch and run to George Kittle on a little five-yard dink and dunk pass at 2.5 seconds, you're not going to win. You have to, you have to dictate, right? There's, no, there's, there's nothing to do about that. There's, if, if a five-yard dot becomes a 20-yard gain, you're screwed. You're up the creek without a paddle. You have to start to, to create. You have to start to do something. And you saw they came out of the halftime, and there was that Reed Blankenship almost pick on Brandon Ayuk, right? And I thought that was a very telling play, where they were like, all right, we're getting the safeties lower. We're jumping some routes. Like we're taking some risks. They beat us on a double move. Purdy holds onto the ball for three seconds, then they get us. But we we are going to get the safeties lower. They're going to get more involved in these windows. We're going to take some risks. And they almost got paid off for it, but they weren't able to, right? And so I think overall, you have to walk out and just say, all right, we're going to live a feast or famine world here because we're not going to be able to reliably stop this team. Yeah, they didn't have a lot of those. That, that was like the one, right? They didn't have a lot. Normally, you face Purdy and you're like, all right, your best shot here is to sort of, you know, turn him over a couple times when he's going to give you opportunities. That was really the one, as I'm thinking about it. Uh, other than that, they didn't really have a lot of opportunities uh, to make plays. So may maybe you're right. Maybe being a little bit more aggressive, trying to force the issue uh, there would have been the move. So uh, we'll see next week. I mean, listen, it sets up a monster game next week at Dallas. Uh, now, I will say this. I was looking this up. Eagles can actually lose that game at Dallas. And if they win their final four, they actually still have about a 60% chance to be the one seed. Remember, they, yeah. they've had they've had this gap here. So it will feel like the sky is falling. Don't get me wrong. It already kind of probably feels for some Eagles fans like the sky is falling. If they lose that game, there will be a lot of panic. But having said that, if they then win their final four, they're going to be in big in good shape. Now, the big thing here is 
If you tie with the 49ers, obviously this could go without saying, but just to be clear about it, that, that that's the big thing with this loss. If you finish with the same record as the 49ers, head-to-head is the first tie break. Uh, 49ers are going to get the bye. You're not going to get the bye. You're going to have to win three games to get the Super Bowl. They're going to have to win two games, and you're probably going to have to go to San Francisco in the NFC Championship game. So uh, Eagles right now, have you have you looked at the line yet, uh, Benny Souls? I just brought it up. Do you have a guess? They're in the Dallas next week at Dallas. Yeah. I mean, Cowboys were favored in the look ahead. I would say it's still it's a Cowboys minus three. Cowboys minus three. So yeah, Eagles that's what it was in the look ahead. It, it didn't move. Yeah. Right. Like the Eagles lost okay. by four touchdowns and the line didn't really move. Yeah. Yeah. This was the uh, biggest margin of defeat in a Jalen Hurts start with the Philadelphia Eagles, 50 games, even, you know, but back those teams that weren't very good, uh, even those games, they never lost by more than 23 points. All right. If you're listening uh, on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, we'll be right back to talk more about this football game after the break. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets when your first $5 Moneyline bet wins. Bengals visiting the Jaguars for Monday Night Football. I do like the Jaguars to win and cover. I like Travis Etienne over rushing yards, and I like Evan Ingram to score his first touchdown of the season. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet. Live same-game parlays, finding bets in the new Explore tab, diving into the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash RingerPhilly and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. All right, we are back on the Ringers Philly special. All right, so... Yeah, it's, uh, I do think that's like, if, if you're trying to calm down your friends, I, th- I do think that's a big deal that even if they lose, uh, to Dallas next week, like they still have a shot if they take care of business in the last four games, the Niners. So like, I didn't really, I mean, they don't, they don't have the hardest schedule. They don't have the easiest schedule. The big game for them is they still play the Baltimore Ravens. So, yeah. uh, the Seahawks and the Ra- they got Seahawks at Arizona Ravens at Washington and Rams. So you figure like three of those feel like locks. They kind of own the Seahawks here. The last two, uh, you know, you can put on your Lamar Jackson jersey. Uh, or if the Eagles lose next week to Dallas, then you got to put on your Lamar Jackson jersey and hope that the Niners lose to the Ravens later this season. All right. What else do we get? Let's, let's get to the thing we're going to all remember about this game. Dre Greenlaw. <laughs> yes! The most important play in Eagles history. He goes two Philly special, one this Dre Greenlaw tackle. <laughs> That's right. Dre Greenlaw. Uh, third quarter, Devontae Smith makes a catch near the sideline. Drake Greenlaw kind of body slams him as he, you know, he, he is wants to do, as they might say. Eagle sideline is up in arms, including uh, Dom DeSandro, who stands up, you know, tries to just, you know, separate uh, the people. He, I, I didn't think he was being aggressive. He was not making contact with any players. Drake Greenlaw didn't like it. Drake Greenlaw puts the point in Dom's face, makes contact with what, what would you say, upper lip? Below the nostrils, yeah. I believe Just that was the point of contact. Uh, there you go. And the officials eject Dre Greenlaw, uh, and then they eject Dom DeSandro. Uh, Eagles fans give Dom a standing ovation, and maybe my favorite moment of the game, Connor Barwin, who, is, who works for the Eagles, yes. gives Dom DeSandro a huge, I mean, he was the most fired up guy in the stadium, has a big grin on his face, knowing all the things he knows about Dom during his, uh, you know, over a decade since Connor had, Connor Barwin has known him, uh, gives him a big hug and shake as Dom leaves the field and heads to the locker room. All right, I know this is what, what you really wanted to lead with, but we were doing FanDuel TV, so I thought, all right, we'll get to the local angle, no pun intended, after we actually do the local angle, because this, this, this is the thing everyone's going to be talking about for the next couple of days. I think <laughs> if, you took, if you took every Eagles fan and you said, you know, let's just in the aggregate calculate your biggest dream as an Eagles fan, what's your greatest dream, the way to help the team? It would be finding a way to get another opposing player ejected. I think that's my number one. As like, if I go back to like, like, like crazy Eagle, like eight-year-old Eagles fan, Ben, like what do I want to do to help the team win? 
I would want to antagonize a, an opposing player into getting ejected. And then getting ejected myself and being cheered when I left the field, even better. That cherry on top makes it makes it ten times more valorous. Carry me out on my shield, glory and honor, sing my praises. All right, that is I I would do anything to beat Dom Desandre right now, and just have have been separating Devontae and Dre Greenlaw, antagonize Greenlaw into getting ejected, and then get tossed from the field and get the same ovation. I would feel incredible. I know Dom doesn't because Dom's a good guy who cares a lot about the Eagles and was like and probably like a little bit embarrassed by the whole thing and prefers to stay under wraps and not not uh not become the feature in the spotlight of stuff but all together an unbelievable moment what a hero i'm i i i the number of people i had text me being like who do you know who this is and i was like do i know who this is like this is my dad i every time i see him on the camera i'm like it's dumb there he is i love him I, he is ubiquitous he is terrifying i love his tiny glasses he's my favorite person in the world uh, for those who don't know who we're talking about, Dom DeSandro is the senior advisor to the general manager and the chief security officer. That's his full title here. As I look at the Eagles website, he is the guy who greets, you know, a, Sha- a Shaq Leonard at the airport. He is the guy who, if a player needs something or gets in trouble, uh, he helps them out. He is the guy who, if the Eagles want to do a big, big background check on a player, say like a, uh, a Jalen Carter or like a Deshaun Watson a couple of seasons ago. Dom is the guy who is doing all that legwork and background and then reporting back to Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, in addition to a number of different things, you know, his relationships with players. Uh, I would advise you to read Jeff McLean of the Philadelphia Inquirer, wrote an excellent feature on Dom DeSandro, I think, uh, within the last year, really explaining, you know, all the different roles he plays within the organization in terms of, uh, you know, his relationship with, with players, uh, coaches, the GM, like every, everybody uh, involved in the organization. So, uh, yeah, that was something, you know, we, we do extra point taken on the Ringer NFL feed and we do a weird prediction every week. And my prediction was that there's going to be ejections in this game. Uh, I really should have just gone for it. So I can just say, you know, Dom's going to get ejected in this game now, you know, next time I need to be more specific and take an even uh, bigger swing because, uh, you know, that that would have worked well for me. I. And, and if you had said Dom would be injected, I would have been like, he's the last guy to be ejected, right? Dom does his work in the shadows, okay? Dom does his work when the camera is not on him. And then to the fact that he became the spotlight, not only the fact that he became the spotlight, but then the fact like the broadcast immediately knew who he was, a ton of just like plugged in NFL reporters immediately like, there's Dom, just shows you just like how many people know Dom and actually love Dom and were excited slash impressed slash I don't even know what for him uh, when he when when uh, uh, he get ejected. To me, is hilarious. It's very very funny. Adding to the funniness of this, because again, like the way this goes from like a Philadelphia perspective, the fact that it took a lot of Kyle Shanahan whining to the refs to get Dom also tossed with Dre <laughs> makes it like even better, right? If the refs walked out and they were like, personal foul, Dre Greenlaw can't do that. Fifteen yards, you're ejected. Also. Eagle staffers being asked to leave because you both cause problems. That'd be like, boo. The fact that they had, they came on the mic, they penalized Greenlaw, ejected Greenlaw, closed the mic. Yay, we win. And then it takes Kyle throwing a hissy fit on the sideline to the refs to then back on the mic. Oh, and we're sending Dom out as well. That's what really gets the crowd like, yeah, let's go. If the Eagles had won this game, I would have told you that it was at that point the Eagles, I knew the Eagles were going to win because I did say out loud, now the Eagles are going to win. I think after that, they got outscored like 35 to 7, but these things happen. All right, go birds, go Dom. I hope that, I hope that, uh, I, I hope that Dom and Dre passed each other in the tunnels and had to be held back from one another. I hope that we get tunnel stories. I can't wait. The funny thing is, Dom like knows a lot of players on other like teams. Like you'll see him uh, interacting with them when they have joint practices uh, and stuff. But yeah, I guess Drake Greenlaw will not be uh, on that list. I mean, it looked like that for a moment. I mean, the broadcast definitely. Thought Greg Olson was really pushing that. He's like, I think this might provide a spark. And the Eagles did score on that yeah. possession. I mean, they cut it to twenty-one thirteen there, and then you know, kind of the, what felt like a back-breaking play was Debo Samuel right after that, the forty-eight yard catch and run. All right. Let's let's talk a little bit more about the defense before we switch over to the offense here, Solak. So Eagles get the two stops right away. Okay. So they get two punts. 
after that, again, six straight touchdown drives. I mean, like that's Johnny Gans level stuff. Uh, uh, that, that, that is not good. Six straight touchdown drives. And then the 49ers end the game with the football. Like I said, this was the second best offensive performance by any team in a game this season. So, uh, when you, you know, divide the pie, because I, this, this will be the conversation in Philadelphia here for the next few days, you know, John Desai, um, personnel giving credit to the 49ers. Like, how do you divide it when you look at how do you have a game where you give up 456 yards, 24 first downs, allow them to go eight for 11 on third down. Don't create a turnover. Uh, how many sacks, two sacks on Brock Purdy. I mean, they did whatever they wanted over and over and over again. Um, how much of Desai criticism that's going to come this week do you think will be warranted and fair? How much, speaking of the personnel, how much of that do you say, well, how we could have addressed some of this before the season, or that's not fair because you're always going to have a weakness. Just what are your, yeah. you know, like there's going to be blame to go around. Where are you putting the blame this week as we look ahead to Dallas? I think right. I think it starts with with personnel, and it's difficult because it's not blame in the sense of like Howie, you should have done a a better job filling out linebacker, which like I do think is objectively true. Like I do wish Howie cared about linebacker more. Just as someone who analyzes the like the entire league and and watches other linebackers, and I'm like, I wish I had this. This is great. Like, objectively, it'd be nice if they did more on linebacker, but your any team building philosophy is going to cut corners somewhere, right? You can't sign the biggest contracts to every single position. It's a hard cap for a reason, right? It makes a competitive league. So you got to be weak at a spot. And Howie's thing is like, all right, like if I can dominate with the defensive line, I can hide a lot of issues. And if I can dominate outside corner, I can hide a lot of issues. And again, over a very large sample, that has been not just ma majority true, overwhelmingly true for the Eagles defense. Not, uh, not just over Sean Desai, but over John Gannon and over Jim Schwartz, like for a while, this has been the case. And so overall, it's, it's like, you know, this is the, how he's an uh, analytics mind and he's going to do the thing that is most successful most of the time. Sometimes it's going to bite you. Now, it happens that the guy that's the Eagles' biggest foil in the NFC right now, Kyle Shanahan, is the best pick on your linebacker dude in the league, period. Like, we, we have joked about this for legitimate years now that Kyle just every single week picks some linebacker on your team and it's like, all right, this man, I will put him in hell for the entire game. Like, that's just kind of how he yeah. builds his his game plans. And he had that against Christian Ellis a couple of times. Obviously, Nick Morrow. Nick wasn't even getting as much picked on schematically. Like he the Christian McCaffrey big completion was like, all right, he's running an option route. He's gonna go left or right, and you gotta guess. And then all of a sudden they 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 designer it up just to be like, nope, he's actually going vertical. Like, no one in the world runs that route. You're just gonna lose to that route. Like it's just tough. And so some of it is schematic is is personnel. You kind of have to shrug your shoulders though, because it, you can't talk out of one corner of your mouth and be like, Howie, the linebackers need to be better. And then for the first 12 weeks of the season, be like, man, this pass rush is great. Yeah, like this kind of, there's gives and there's takes in building a team. So acknowledging that, I think the personnel is part of it. Schematically, I think, right. I think the, the, the note for Desai coming through the, the, the game here is like, all right, you have to kind of have some big red buttons, some pull in case of emergency tricks up your sleeve for when the pass rush just isn't winning the game for you, right? It, it, it's a wonderful idea, idea that you can be like, all right, Josh Sweat over there, Hassan Reddick over here, Jalen Carter in the middle, Fletcher Cox in the middle. We win now, right? 90% of the time, I mean, kind of. Yeah. But you do need to have some break glass in case of emergency calls where it's like, all right, we're going to be a good blitzing team and we're going to have some, some great third down wrinkles. The Niners were eight for 11 on third down in this game, man. Like the Eagles had chances to get them off the field on those six touchdown drives and didn't. And this was the Brian Dawkins criticism, or was it Westbrook criticism of Jonathan Gannon during the Super Bowl? I can't Dawkins. remember. No, that it was, was Dawkins. It was Dawkins. Yeah. Thank you. you practice. What Brian Dawkins yeah. said of Jonathan Gannon, it sure would have been nice if they could have blitzed Mahomes more and they tried to blitz Mahomes more. But when you don't do it in the season, you don't know how to do it when push comes to shove. And that's right. why for Desai, the point is now like, all right, learn how to do that as a team. Learn how to break some tendencies and, and, and throw some, you know, Brian Flores, high risk, high reward calls at the wall because, hey, you want to have that in your back pocket when you need it. And this is the sort of game where the Eagles needed it, but for the first 12 weeks of the season, they've had no reason to practice it. They've had no reason to deploy it. And so I'd like to see the Eagles, it's not even like get more creative, it's just get more uh, diverse, more random. Have, 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 a, have some shoots that you can pull that might save you on a critical down and, and avoid runaway performances like the Niners just had on you.
Yeah, I think from from a coverage standpoint, they've been you know pretty good about uh, not having tendencies about being unpredictable. But yeah, it just seems like when you face a team, th- this was a terrible matchup. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Given how your roster is set up with your linebackers, specifically now that you're down uh, to your two backups, and then given the age in the secondary, this was going to be a bad matchup. Now, I can't let him off the hook. because, Like I said, I mean, if, if Johnny Gans delivered this performance, I'd be ripping him. Now, I did say going into the stretch, I said, there's going to be times where the Eagles are going to get lit up. I want to see a couple instances where they can show up against a good team. And they did do that against the Dolphins, against the Chiefs. Those were good defensive performances. This was the opposite. So the variance is there. Obviously, you want to see more of the first than the second. But man, I'm looking at this Solak. They're all the way down to 30th in defensive EPA per drive. After this game, I mean, listen, the Bills game was not pretty. Uh, They're 29th in success rate. This game was not pretty. So they've had a couple of those moments. You're kind of hoping like one of those Bengal seasons where, hey, the stats might not look good at the end, but you can come up with something in the playoffs against an opponent. But that remains to be seen. I'm with you. I mean, I don't know how you fix like like everybody saw what Kyle Shanahan did to the Eagles today. That doesn't mean every team can do it, but every team can say, oh, okay, we know exactly. I mean. Brad, did Bradbury even get thrown at? Like, like Brad, you know, Slay yeah. gave up a couple of cat, but that was not where they were going to attack you. I mean, they knew exactly uh, where to attack you. And every time there was one of those big plays, you were looking up and it was Eli Ricks. It was Christian Ellis. It was Nicholas Morrow, who were the guys letting you down yeah. there. So uh, I didn't, I didn't get a good chart down, but it felt like, like I said, third down eight for 11. It felt like in the second half, they thought their third down solution was Eli Ricks. And like, I think he gave up three third down conversions in a row where the Niners were like, are you sure? Because they're doing this weird thing. They did. They're they're playing Roby on early downs in the slot and then replacing him with Ricks. It's like, yeah, like, okay, I guess if you really like Ricks is, you know, if you think he's got a big leg up on Roby in terms of coverage ability, I guess that's okay. I don't know. That that's something I think you probably right. want to revisit before next week. But yeah, no, I, I'm with you. He was out there and they were throwing at him every time it felt like. And that and maybe like there's an argument that the Ricks thing is in the same vein of what I talked about earlier, where it's like, okay, you got to get him on the field now. So that way, like if it turns out if you if you if the light bulb goes on for him, you have him for like the the, the actual win yeah. and in, lose and go home game. There's a chance that's the argument. If that's the argument, you got to watch this film and be like, we ain't necessarily there yet. We might need to look at what Bradley Roby looks like more on third down. And that's the the risk management and the difficult decisions that coaches have to make as they go through December planning for for January. I, I personally don't mind the fact that they're not exclusively playing three corners and they're getting Ricks in because as we saw when the, there was like James Bradbury in availability earlier in the season, when these young cats are going out there, like when Mario Goodrich and Eli Ricks and Josh Job are lining up out there, they're getting hammered by opposing offenses. So I don't mind the fact that they're like, all right, Eli Ricks is our, you know, corner four. He's going to be our, our, our slot guy. Maybe he's also their backup outside guy. Maybe that's just going to be Job. Who knows? But we're going to get this guy looks so that way we know what we have and we can kind of develop him. I don't, I think that's overall good philosophy. Result, this Niners game, okay, we can't trust this guy when he's out there. Like, we're going to have to help him in the event that he needs to play legitimate snaps in, in a postseason run. So like, I, I don't mind it. It's just something to note yeah. with this young player. I agree with that. Yeah. If you think you have something in a guy and you think he can help you uh, in the long term and you're like, all right, let's see what we got here, um, then you're able to, you know, I, I don't have an issue with doing that. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know what you do with the information <laughs> you got in this game. To your point earlier, uh, I'm looking at Brock Purdy's passing chart here, Ben. He did not complete a pass that traveled over 20 yards. In the air, his intended air yard, average air yards uh, was six yards downfield, which was the lowest of any quarterback in week 13 uh, here. And if you look at yards after the catch, 49ers had 212 yards after the catch, um, the seventh most by any team in a game this season. So like, yeah. just if you're listening to this and going, yeah, I know we watched the game. It's, yeah. It's just nice. Sometimes when you look up the numbers and the numbers you see, uh, precisely back yeah. up, uh, what you saw there. And, and, and that's definitely what we saw. And it's worth noting that like, this is not the player that Purdy has, has been every game this season. There's right. a lot of like, Oh, Purdy's a check down King. He has been a check down King. They've been pushing the yeah. ball more down the field. The Eagles objectively 
took a quarterback who likes to get the ball further downfield and made him throw shallower, which is generally a win. You gotta tackle the dudes when they have the ball in their hands, right? It's when Nick Morrow bounces off Debo Samuel that you go, oh, and that's why this isn't working, right? Is if if you're gonna and and when we talked on extra point taken, I was big on Christian McCaffrey to have a great day receiving. So I was like, all right, they're gonna go deep zones and and uh Purdy's gonna check it down and then McCaffrey's gonna catch and run. And I don't even know if they can tackle the guy. They ended up being a spot where they would double McCaffrey on third down. Like early yes. or in the first half, they weren't doing much second half. In the first half, they were running man coverage, single high safety, and they were doubling the running back, which is clinically insane. Like the fact that, that McCaffrey is that level of a receiving threat and you don't have an answer for him that you're doubling him out of the backfield is bananas. But the 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 end result is like, all right, well, we're just going to throw it to Debo on screens and Kittle underneath and Jawan Jennings underneath, and they're going to break tackles for us. Jennings on Ricks on the touchdown, Debo on the screen for the touchdown, Debo on the 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 little inbreaker for the touchdown. Like, we have so many guys who can break tackles here, and so again, like philosophically, I don't mind it. You took a deep passing quarterback and made him shallow. It's a good win. But then once you do that to finish the job, you have to bring the ball carriers down. And with the Niners, that's more challenging than with any other offense in the league. Listen, they came in number one in DVOA. This this was the best offense uh, in the NFL. So the problems the Eagles faced were you know were not unique to them. The 49ers have been doing this um, to pretty much every opponent they faced this year. Even when they had that three game losing streak, they had like a couple turnovers in each of those games. If you look at like their success rate in those, I think every game this season except the Browns, their success rate has been above league average. Like they're just not a team that you force into a lot of three and outs and punts um, for an entire, uh, an entire game there. So, uh, we'll say that I have some concern. I, it's, it's reasonable to have a lot of concern about this Eagles defense. When you look at the opponents, they're going to have to face. I mean, Dak carved them up the first game. So let's see. Now you get another shot at him in a big spot. This isn't a, Hey, save some stuff up for Dak and the Cowboys for the playoffs. Like you need this game. You want this game. Let's see what it looks like next week in Dallas, that Cowboys offensive line. Whoo, man, they are playing really Really yeah. well. I mean, I I had both their. I did a little like you know two thirds of the season all pro team. I had both their guards on there, and I got to tell I I was considering putting Tyron Smith on there too. Yeah. Like he four he fifths looks like, of the I don't best know what he's yeah. done. Yeah. yeah, and then Kelsey and Lane are our first team center and first team I right had tackle. Them both there too. Yeah, yeah. four, four of the five, five best offensive linemen. Williams in the league. was the fifth. Yeah. yeah, four of the five best offensive linemen in the league will be playing in that game, and three of the five best offensive linemen in the league were playing in this game. Like, yeah, geez. And listen, the Eagles, we transitioned to the offense here a little bit. The Eagles line did yeah. an excellent job erasing, erasing the 49ers pass rush. Really, really, really good performance. Would have liked for the passing game to have more success than it did as a result of that. And not to say the, the passing game was, was bad. I think it was, it was fine and it certainly padded some stats late with some, you know, kind of garbage time coverages and whatever. Um, but in general, that line held up really, really well in pass protection. I think also that line had the opportunity to win the game, win more often and create more points in the running game where I think they were, they were not performing Yeah, what was up with well. that? What did you think of this like game plan? I mean, look at this. They, their running backs had, I came in thinking this is going to be a, and I, I'm not, you know, the old school run the ball, run the ball, run the ball guy. In this I game, am. I thought, uh, yeah, I'm this game. I was like the 49ers are 20th in rushing DVOA. You have an edge up front. They ran the football uh, six, eight to 11 times. To their running backs. Now, I guess you can say, Shield, look at the numbers. They didn't do anything. 19, 24, 26, 11 times for 26 yards to their running backs. Man, if you told me that coming in, I would have said, all right, they didn't do anything offensively. But obviously, that's that's low volume. And we've seen them in the past where it's not working early. They stick with it um, and they get to it. You know, they're down eight points at halftime. It's not like they were getting killed. But even early on, those possessions early on, even when they were stringing drives together, they were throwing the football. I mean, what do you make of that? Like, is that just weird decision? Is that something you think the 49ers were daring them uh, to do? Because that was shocking to me where Jalen Hurts was just dropping back over and over and mm-hmm. over again, even early in this football game yeah. when it was competitive. I think what they felt was that they had like uh, uh, easy wins against Cushion and they had easy wins against Press, right? Like they were running those slants to AJ and getting mm-hmm. big chunks off of those. Devontae's getting Cushion and they're just running curls to him and running stuff on the outside of him. Like they felt like they had wins in the passing game, which I suppose they did. The problem is when you get behind the sticks, either with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts scramble and it goes incompletion, they get a good coverage rep on you, you get a penalty, whatever it is. And then you're in a spot where, where Hurts is running around there trying to make stuff happen down the field, which again, like he did fairly well. It's just not enough in a game like this. Now, obviously, 
they get the ball down the field on the first two drives and then red zone wise, they're not able to punch the ball in. But again, like I think fundamentally, you're getting back to a similar question where it's like, all right, when we get the ball down low, run it, run the ball. And, and here's, here's, here's what is really like chafing on me a little bit when it comes to this running game. Uh, Shane Steichen's out, Brian Johnson's in. I think overall, like coming into this game, I probably defended Brian Johnson more than the average Eagles fan and Eagles analyst goes. This, I think, was a really rough Brian Johnson game. This one was one where I was like, dude, like you got to have something because the Eagles have been running the ball this year largely the same way that they did last season. They're in the gun. They'll, they'll go 11 personnel with Dallas Goddard. They'll go 12 personnel with Goddard and Stoll, and they'll run RPOs slash read option looks. And they'll, they'll make the box count work that way. They'll run quarterback draw and make the box count work that way, right? They, they win the box count in the number game by involving Hurts in the, in the rushing attack. Great. It's exactly what they did last year. They're doing it this year. For the entirety of this year, Hurts has not been as good of a runner as he was last year, right? Like his, his counting stats look fine because of all the sneak touchdowns and all the conversions. Like if you look at success rate, his success rate's great because he's running a bunch of sneaks. But if you take away sneaks as a runner, he is not nearly what he was last year. And that's visible. You can see that. Well, if your quarterback's mobility is limited, then the little shotgun RPO read, mo uh, read option world isn't as good anymore, right? When you go and you look at teams across the league, if they don't have a mobile quarterback, they can't run from the gun. It's really hard to do. You have to go under center to run the ball, but the Eagles don't go under center unless they're sneaking it. So they're still living in gun and they're still living RPOs and, 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 and read option. And it's not as effective as it was last year because Hertz is banged up. And then Goddard goes down. So, okay, now you lost half the menu, right? Now you lost uh, the, the, the 12 personnel stuff and you lost Goddard as a blocker, really like a sixth offensive lineman with his quality. The Hurts limitation plus the Goddard injury should have by now led to something new happening in the running game. You have to now, you, you, you have to invest more in it. You have to be willing to get under center. You have to be willing to go pistol. You have to be willing to put a, another back in the backfield, right? Like do like a fullback thing, you know? Get a you have other tight ends. You have Kyle Kateri, You have Elko Webinom. Put them on the field. Try to get something going in twelve. You the, you you got to do something. And and Brian Johnson's bring back the same stuff they were doing last year with a quarterback who isn't nearly the same mobility threat, lacking the main blocking component that makes it go in Dallas Goddard. Like in terms of the skill position players, obviously the offensive line is the main thing. But Goddard's kind of the 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 uh, the adjuster there, right? He's the he's the 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 secret spice in the sauce. I you got to do like. You can't just completely abandon the running game. And when you run it, run it the same way you've been running it. You're not the same team as you were last year. That's the part about that, that Johnson's really getting my goat on with, with this running game here is you, you have a really, really good offensive line and a back in Swift who has shown you that he can have really nice rushing performances. You need to be investing in this. You need to be putting time and effort and, and schematic work into making this running game go. The little jet sweep against the Chiefs. Stuff like that. Like, find ways to make the running game work for you. And it feels like they just, yeah. just kind of leave it out to dry. Yeah, it was interesting in the, uh, you know, the bye week. It was like, all right, when they come back, what's this going to look like? They have some time now. They've tried, certainly tried some of that stuff. We've seen them use, um, you know, some, some 21 personnel. We've seen them mix in some pistol. They, uh, you know, mixed in some uh, under center. And then it led uh, to the big play. Uh, last was it last week or two weeks ago? But uh, I agree. I mean, overall, the, yeah, th this was not good. Uh, and and I feel like Greg Olson made a an interesting point. I feel like uh, during that Chiefs game, I forget who was announcing it. They made this point too that the Eagles Monday are Night so Football should have been Aikman. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the Eagles are so pass heavy on early downs. Like they're fourth in score neutral um, pass frequency on early downs. That some of these teams on early downs are just like. We're not, you know, you know, you usually think defensive coordinator waits till third down to come up with something creative and, you know, to get them in third and long. And now we can break out these designer blitzes or uh, whatever simulated pressures that we like. They're breaking out some of these things on early downs. Like you saw the Chiefs do that, certainly with Spags, and it caught the Eagles like flat footed on early downs where they're taking negative plays. And I thought Greg Olson made the same point uh, in this game with the 49ers that it's kind of like they're, you know, uh, rather than using whatever the, uh, curve, the, the change up to set up the fastball or vice versa or whatever. It's a terrible baseball analogy, but, uh, they're coming at you on early downs with some of this, this stuff. So, um, that's probably not something like people realize. I mean, they're throwing the football 60% of the time on early downs, which generally I'm fine with, but you kind of have to look at, you know, is that becoming uh, a little predictable? Is that getting you 
into negative situations. Um, and with this run game here, yeah, I mean, the, the jet sweep with the Swift, they had run a couple games in a row for explosive plays. I can't even remember if they tried it once in this game uh, or not. But uh, Jalen, how about, I mean, Jalen Hurts' legs were not a factor in this game. What happened La last week? It looked like they were like, okay, he's feeling better. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts is going to be a big part of the run game. Jalen Hurts was not a part of the run game. I mean, seven for 20, what, a couple of those were brotherly shoves. There were a couple scrambles in there. Uh, I don't think we saw a QB draw. I don't think we saw, you know, uh, any any of that bash scheme. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know why Jalen Hurts' legs would not be a factor in this game unless there's something physically we don't know about. I mean, this would, to me, be the exact right. type of game where you say, you got to pull out sort of all the stops. This is a good defense. They can't stop the run. Um, I don't know why, why they didn't do that it, it, beyond something injury-related with Hurts. Right. Or just just let your your line get double teams and go. Right. Like just the 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 Jalen Hurts is very good. A.J. Brown is extremely good. He's elite. Devontae Smith is very good. Right. All these things I just said are true. The strength, the best part of this team, the strongest aspect of the offense is the offensive line. This offensive line is more impactful than A.J. Brown is as an individual. Devontae Smith is an individual. Jalen Hurts is an individual. It is the strength of the team. You are minimizing it when you play like this. You are playing left-handed you're keeping your best card in your pocket by not utilizing the offensive line this way and what what is especially frustrating is to not use it this way go so pass heavy get success in 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 pass protection right they still win for you in pass protection which is where the offensive line's on the back foot where they're at the disadvantage and and yet still so evidently not have enough in the passing game to keep up with the niners and you're not using the running game to, to, to shorten the game. You're not using the running game to get that, that offense off the field, to give your defense a break. The guys have been playing for 92 minutes. Play some complimentary football, right? Like it, you're not, You don't want to have to outscore the Niners when they score 35 meaningful points. So cut down on the number of drives they're going to get. And do that by doing what you've done so many times so well for two years, which is 15 plays, 75 yards, eight minutes, Two fourth down conversions. <laughs> Screw you. We're much bigger than you are. That's, it's not even like you have to theorize it. You've seen it. You've done it so many times and they just had no interest in this game. Even six to 14 in, 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 the, uh, in, the, in the second half, six to 21. Still, it should have been an aspect, a part of the, the game plan and it wasn't. The Eagles went field goal on first possession, field goal on second possession, uh, third possession. Hertz had a false start, which went from third and six to third and 11. Mm -hmm. And then they punt. Uh, he had some weird sort of, you know, he slipped on one. Uh, he, I thought, you know, they had a mush rush, the mush, mush rush, the one time where they're not. And he's like, okay, I'm still going to try to scramble here. He has all day in the pocket. He ends up uh, taking a sack there on that possession. Uh, you know, then they have a third and eight ends up being a throwaway. They punt there uh, before halftime. I didn't like I, I thought get, get a little aggressive there. Like your defense is going to have a tough time against the Niners. They you know, they had one. Uh, I think he dropped back to pass and the ball get batted and the ball got batted and then got spooked. And they're like, OK, just run the ball and go in at halftime. Like, I don't think you can afford to do that against a team like the Niners. Like, you know, it, it's all well and good to say we're aggressive and, you know, all this stuff when you're playing inferior opponents. But when you're playing a big boy like this, not only that uh, in that spot before halftime, but then later, uh, you know, you're down 2013 and you can't stop the Niners, and you have a fourth and two from your own 32, and you're punting there. I thought that, that was, that uh, that was well. the third and eight Jalen Hurts scramble, too, where it's like there are three linebackers, three underneath defenders, I should say, sitting there waiting for you. I understand that you want to run that. You should probably throw it. Like You're, you're going to be, be punting a fourth and three, fourth and two in this spot. Like I don't, I don't love the decision to go, to, to, to scramble that, excuse me. Once he scrambles it, though, and gets you to fourth and two, you got to go. Wait, yeah, you, I thought you're gonna that get a better partly. shot in this game. No chance. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you have any shot of winning that game, you need to score on that possession. I mean, you literally could not get a stop. Uh, so I didn't like that uh, either. There, they had the one good drive there that we mentioned in the second half, where we had, where they had the touchdown, and then they have kind of the garbage time touchdown down the stretch there. So um, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at with this offense. Like you know, you look at it statistically. And they're still okay. Uh, I'm looking at it here. They're fifth in EPA per drive. They're seventh in success rate. It's just felt a little up and down. I, I don't know that I trust them. Like 
It, it's one we've talked about it before. It's like when the dam breaks, all of a sudden it feels like, oh, they can score, you know, on six straight possessions and they're unstoppable here. But man, it just uh, takes them some time. This game, they get off to a quicker start. Uh, but at the same time, those two possessions end in field goals. And um, it, it just has certainly felt a little bit more uneven than in previous years. So uh, yeah. last five games in the first half, they've been outscored by 38 points. Last five games, they've been out uh, outgained by at least 98 yards in five straight games here. So uh, I don't know. You know, I gave you the person A and person B in the beginning. And which one do I lead more towards? I do think if I like sit back and 24 hours later, it'll probably be like, okay, it was a bad game, but they're still in the driver's seat to get the one seat in the NFC. At the same time, when I just look at the team uh, overall, like the concerns are real. It's, this isn't a team that is getting like bad luck or anything. You know what I mean? Like they they have gotten some good luck to get where they are. And I do have concerns in the specific matchups they're going to have in the NFC. So there you go. I think that's yeah. where I stand. Yeah, I will say like uh, we go back to camp one, camp two. What's worrying you? What's not worrying you? Where is, where's your head at? I, I, I would like for this team to play a complete game pole to pole at some point, right? Like, Lose the Niners, beat the Niners, lose the Cowboys, beat the Cowboys. They got the Seahawks, which like, oh, Seahawks, don't worry about it. Seahawks took the Cowboys the distance. That's a very desperate team. NFC wildcard race is tight, right? Like, like this Seahawks team is going to be Vikings are six and six. Uh, uh, Rams are six and six. Seahawks are six and six. We're watching Packers Chiefs right now. Packers win this. Six, like, it is a tight race. They're going to run into a Seahawks team that like cares a lot. Win those games, lose those games. Like you obviously got to win them. But even if, if they're scraping wins by the way they did against the Chiefs and against the Bills, and they still just for four quarters can't put together a complete game on offense and a complete game on defense, that's where the alarm bells will start to go off. And so uh, beat the Cowboys, like just make life easy, one seed, give yourself the protection, give yourself the cushion in the playoffs. But very high on the checklist after that is, okay, we got to play a complete game. We got to play a dominant game and feel like, oh, right, this is what it feels like when we just beat everybody the way that we want, all, all 11 players, all four quarters. They need that game back pretty badly. Yeah. Uh, let's see. What other final notes? I, I do love the sports hate. I think this is a great rivalry. Now you Ooh. go from last year. Yes. I mean, this is all of a sudden emerged. It's like one of the best rivalries in the NFL. There is genuine dislike between these two opponents. Uh, and I think they're probably going to be two, two teams. They're going to play each other quite a bit in the years ahead, maybe play each other once again here um, in the post season. All right. Uh, oh, last thing to rip them on. Why are the starters in the game with three minutes left in the fourth quarter? I mean, DeAndre Swift takes a massive shot in the middle of the field in a game that is over. I mean, we'll see if that leads to yeah. anything in terms of his availability next week. And I know the excuses that coaches give and uh, like, I don't buy any of them. It's stupid. I mean, you go through all the training camp, you go through the preseason, all this stuff. You're not, you know, put your, you're going through walkthroughs on Wednesday, all this stuff to make sure that your players are healthy and ready to go on Sunday because injuries are like the biggest predictor of success and failure in the NFL. And then in a game that is a massive blowout where your quarterback just had to get checked for concussion the concussion protocol you're putting him back out there in that game with the rest of yours I, I know it's a limited roster you can put all your backups in and then if you don't have anyone else have some of the starters in uh i thought that was reckless from nick sirianni i thought that was stupid um and i think you know he deserves to be ripped for that i, I did not like that and i'm sure i was like well her hurts wanted that's fine that's why you're the coach you get to decide who plays and doesn't yeah. play and you take the decision out of their hands so i, I thought that was absolutely absurd yeah, like like I joked at the top, Sirianni forgot what you do in losses, right? Loss, yeah, that's what it's called. Like it's just yeah. you know, it, it's you you. It doesn't feel fun when you have to put the the backups in and wave the white flag. But let's not forget that at one point you had Marcus Mariota in because Hertz almost got concussed and he had to go through protocol. And you have to know that that's a thing that might happen. And you have Dallas the next week, so absolutely like. It's very Eagles and very Sirianni to not con even consider making those those benches, but they very much should have. There you go. All right. I think that'll do it. Cliff, you, you want to jump on here for final uh, fi final talk some sense? You know, how, how are you feeling? Where are you on the panic meter here? I feel like you're probably going to say you're you're feeling OK uh, and you're not panicked. Am I mm -hmm. right or am I wrong? You're right. And the overall scope of things for the season, I'm not concerned, but. However, if they do have to face the 49ers again, I am very concerned. 
I just don't think they have the personnel to match up with the that's 40. That's a good framing. Yeah, that's that's yeah. true. That's a good way to say it, actually. Like, this game might not have you panic for the team, but it doesn't mean you're confident if they have to face this team again. Yeah, that's right. I would agree with that. Exactly. Like, I'm, I'm concerned about just facing – like, it just seems like a lot of weapons, just the, the way that they can scheme things up and just defeat the Eagles in so many different ways. Like, Solak laid out uh, with the linebacker position and, and just how you got to keep up with so many guys like IU. Uh, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, like Christian McCaffrey was destroying the Eagles, especially in that second half. So it's it's very concerning. Um, I'm glad Hurts came back. He didn't have the concussion. Uh, shout out to Big Dom. We, before we got on here, I was asking y'all about his background. I, yo, I didn't really know. Like, I knew who he was, but I didn't know anything about him. So uh, shout out to Big I don't know where he's from. Allegedly, he's from South Philly somewhere. He got some ties to some people that we, you know. <laughs> I, read the I, McLean article. Yeah, don't get yeah, yourself in yeah, yeah. Everyone go read the official on the record. Jeff McLean did the reporting. Yeah. Yeah. So for him to get uh Dre Greenlaw kicked out the game, who's a very important player for the Niners, especially on that defensive side, uh was huge. <laughs> especially because Dom doesn't really do anything as far as like the game plan or he's not a coach, he's not an assistant, he's just a security guy. So for him to get a major player kicked off of uh the 49ers was awesome. Uh also I was down at the link earlier. Shout out to the Green Legion. They had a uh a great tailgate today at Xfinity Live, uh, or great um, pregame party at Xfinity Live. A ton of 49ers fans showed up here too, by the way. Like it was a, it really? was a lot of, it was a uh, lot of red at the link today. So uh, yeah, it, it was a, it was a good environment. But I, I am kind of concerned. I, I think um, I will say this: I don't think I think next week is damn near a must win to me because I'd be concerned if they lose two in a row <laughs> and especially lose to San Fran and Dallas back to back. Like I, that's concerning to me. I don't know how y'all feel about that, but. I know you laid out if they win, if they lose next week, and in the last four they win, it's like sixty percent chance that they get the number one seed. I think it, that's right. Yeah, it, but, but still, to me, it's, that's forty yeah, percent that they don't. I was going to say, but great to, about them. It's not even that, but to me, it's just like yo, like you lose to, to basically the two opponents you got to worry about in the right. in the NFC to get to this, get back to the Super Bowl. Like to lose that back to back in the midst of this whole entire run right here, I think it's very important. I think they have to go to Dallas and almost get a win. Don't you think? Yeah, it's uh it's a big spot. No no doubt about it. I mean three three point dogs. Yeah, I feel like to feel good about this team, you would want them to bounce back in that spot. I mean, you can rationalize it all you especially if you get blown out next week, then it's like, you know, yeah. who cares about the percentages? Like there's something wrong with this team. You know, if you lose by a field goal or something at the end, maybe it's a little bit easier, uh easier to swallow since you um, right. beat them you, once. The Eagles are coming off of a blow off a blowout blowout loss going into Dallas, who's coming pretty much off a mini buy at home. Like that's, that's a scary scenario for the Eagles to walk yeah. into next week. Yeah. Like they better be no, ready they for got, that. Yeah. No, that's, the, that's why like for me, like the Cowboys loss wouldn't, you know, fully pull the plug because they got Niners on a short week at, they've, and they've had an absolute gauntlet. They got blown out in that game. Obviously you don't want them to get blown out. They're going to get Cowboys. Cowboys are on a long week. They're on a short week and they're, they're going through it. You know what I'm saying? They're banged up. Like this is a murderer's row. And from, preseason week one it was a murderer's row we talked about it and then here we are now at at, at, at week 13 we're in it and it feels like you know once you're in it you're like oh my gosh this is the worst thing ever <laughs> they can they can lose the, the cowboys game and still be all right it's a matter of how they respond right it's right. a matter of saying okay we lost to the two teams in the nfc that we pretty much have to be if we go through it what are we going to change and can we and that's where if this team were had saw shane steichen right you'd be like all right like we'll be okay like we've seen shane do it we're all right like I, gannon i'm not gonna say that about gannon but if they had more experienced <laughs> coaches then like yeah you'd be there it's the it's the fact they have those first year coaches on both sides of the ball that makes me squirrely about that reality where it's like okay sure. if they do tank against the cowboys and they have to make some dramatic changes brian johnson sean decide we don't know what they look like when they have to do that yeah all right very, i need a ruling concerned. all right cliff i need last thing i need a ruling from you uh, this has nothing to do with the Eagles or football, but I feel like Cliff is there. And so like you, you chime in too, but I feel like this is really, yeah. you know, Cliff's told us is, you know, what he eats and he's going to the gym at 4 a.m. So, all right, so I'm getting a little work, you know, I'm getting a little Sunday morning workout and I'm on the couch uh, all day. Okay. So there are these two teen that two tweet teenagers, uh, I don't teen, they're high schoolers. I could, I know because of the shirts they're wearing. They're high schoolers. They're getting the lifts in um, and they're kind of, I think it's like the power lifting thing where you're, you're really dropping the barbell with the weights after, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I don't even know what the exercise is called. Now there are tennis courts at this establishment. So all of a sudden, you got I money. No, 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 no. <laughs> 
this is this is a this hey, the, this hey, is a YMCA. Hey, club. hey, Ben, Ben, you heard? Hey, Ben, you heard tennis courts? You, you knew immediately. Yo, that's there's some money around well, there, right? It, it actually <laughs> relates to this story because All listen, right, go this, ahead, this, go this is a De- this is a Delco YMCA, Cliff. So no, that that's not what's happening here. Uh, so so okay, so this older gentleman walks in you know, into the workout area with the tennis racket. He starts talking to the, uh, te- if, if any of you are listeners, by the way, who are involved in this, thank you for listening. Come say hi next time. He walks up to the two teenagers and says like, you know, every time you drop the weights, like the whole, you know, the whole place, it's making this huge sound. We're playing, like, you're not supposed to do it. He starts pointing the sign on the wall. I'm like, don't drop the weights. And the kids are like, okay, yeah, uh, sure. No problem. Now out of the corner of my eye, I see this other gentleman who's not liking this interaction. He's just glaring at this old guy. And so he, he, then the guy starts walking back to the tennis court. Leave him alone. Right? You know, they're not, they're, they're doing their sport. They're powerlifting. And then, then the old guy's pointing, D- don't drop the weights. It says it right here. And he's like, they're not dropping weights. That's like the, you know, the kind of lifting they're doing right now. Leave them alone. Go play. He goes, Andre, hey, oh, hey you, what are you, Andre Agassi? Go play your game, US Open over there. Leave these kids alone. Agassi, Agassi <laughs> now has given me the age of this commenter, right? If it were Federer, if it were uh, Nadal, Alka, Alcaraz, I would know that Agassi, I know how old this dude is. Yeah. He tells the he tells the kids, do do what you want. Don't worry about don't worry uh, about that guy. So who's in the right here? Who's in the wrong? Are they actually violating rules by drop? Was the guy within his right to come say, "Don't be dropping that"? It's making a loud noise. Uh, I was just an innocent bystander enjoying <laughs> the whole thing. But I, Cliff, I thought of you uh, oh, right. right away because I thought, all right, Cliff's gonna have a take on you know <laughs> what was going on here. All right, so you set up the scenario pretty nicely, and. Um... Look, man, if I'm just going to be very objective here and just kind of based off of what you're saying here, sounds like the dudes are just doing some deadlifts. They 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 slamming the weights a little bit when they're doing the deadlifts because that's what happens when you do deadlifts. You have to you don't slam the weight on the floor, but you kind of control it and it hits the floor and there's a lot of weight hitting the floor. Again, I'm not sure how much weight they put in up, but I'm sure it might be a decent amount. And I think I think the OG over here might be in the wrong, man, like. I think sometimes the OGs, they get in the gym, they think they can own it and run it a little bit, but they might just have to stay in their lane a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes. Wait, so you think the guy who who, who had the Andre Agassi name call, you're saying he's in the wrong. Yeah, man. I I think you got to let the kid. I think you just got to let the kids just rock out and just do their thing. Like what time was it? You you tell me what time it was? Yeah. I mean, this was around like uh, 10, 11 a.m. Yeah, man. Yo, if it's 10 o'clock in the morning and they doing that, just let it just let it be, man. Like. It's, it's, oh wait! So it's, you're okay. Wait. So you're saying the old? You're saying the tennis guy's in the wrong, or are you saying the guy who was yelling at the tennis guy's in the wrong? No, 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 no. The ten, the tennis guy's in the wrong. The tennis guy's the old man, correct? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know if you meant the. Uh, yeah. Now Solak was saying the. You know, I when you said OG, Solak said the other guy. He thought that was an old guy too because he didn't say Federer. So I was just, <laughs> I was just sorry. Right. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. So you think you think the old guy's wrong? Let let the let the uh, high schoolers. Drop their weights and just you know. I just yeah, want to see get over there. I yeah. want to know that, how the like, Delco YMCA is constructed such that dropping weights shakes the tennis courts. These <laughs> underground tennis courts. <laughs> Listen, right. that should tell you that I don't got money. This isn't about me having money. I'll t- Cliff, I'll take you to the Y. You'll you'll recant that statement right away. <laughs> you see no, you but just, listen. This yeah. and I did. Now, I, in my tennis career, I did play districts there back in the day. Ooh, young Shield. Here we go. Took an L. Here took an go. L both times. But yes. Oh, no, man. Singles, Damn. doubles? Doubles. No, I'm not good enough for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I, right. Listen, man, I just think the kids, they were just in there getting their lift on. And when they're yeah. doing that lift, sometimes that happens. Like, if you're going in the gym, bro, expect some noise to be made. Like, listen, there's a lot of ways you yeah. can be. There's a lot of ways you can be obnoxious in the gym when you start screaming and doing all types of crazy nonsense like ah ugh. if they if the weight is just slamming on the ground bro just let it be yeah. listen if you don't like the sound of that then go to a uh a, a outside tennis court somewhere where you can play in the elements or something like that let them kids be let them get their lift in let them actually do something yeah. in the gym the og just gotta fall back and and just just take it on the chin man it's all good og right. you, you'll get yeah. you'll get the to swing the racket you know later <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like, yo, look, man, you'll, you'll, you'll get your, uh, hey, Ben, what's my dude's name? Uh, that just went far in the U.S. Open this year. Ben, what's the other Ben's name? Oh, uh, Sheldon. Ben Sheldon. Yeah, you'll get your Ben Sheldon on later on this year. <laughs> your Alcaraz later on. You'll get your yeah. Nadal later. Like, just let them be, man. Yeah. Okay. 
I agree. You're, That's what fine. the guy told him. So you would have been on that. Yeah, the guy's like, yes, the, you know, the guy's like, do do whatever you want. This guy thinks he's at, he's at some bougie club, you know? Yeah, like, no, the and Delta on top YMCA, of that, you know? and on top yeah. of that, put the damn head, <laughs> put your headphones in if you hate the noise. Like, listen to some music. Like, put on, put on some noisy, wild. Yeah, gym is going to be a noisy place. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, put on, I, I'm with you. Huh? You know what I do? I put on my AirPods yeah. and I zone out. Like, I'm my AirPods in. There's a lot of just crazy nonsense yeah. going into my ears, like, on shuffle. Like, it, there's so many different songs. Mm-hmm. Like, just, just. Zone out, put the music on, and you'll be fine. All right. Listen, stuff's happening at this point. I mean, we had a Leela's tennis lesson. <laughs> it's Delco. I'd expect. There was, yeah, there was an alter because my wife jokes every time because you once said I said something about this place and you go offline. You go, that's the most Delco thing I've ever heard. So now when I tell my wife these stories, she's like, Cliff was right. Because <laughs> 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 there was like an altercation during a pickleball mat. Listen, there's a lot of things going I on. I love it. I'm just I'm going in. I'm with the AirPods, AirPods on. No interaction. You know, work up a little old man yeah. sweat and come out. That's <laughs> this all. is my all problem right. with living in the Midwest. I say to my wife all the time, like not enough people get angry at other people in public spaces. Everyone's making room <laughs> for one another. Everyone's accommodating one another. I don't have any stories to tell uh, because y'all I'll are just being the kind. Wise, I'll say this Stuff though. In Philly, though yeah. in Philly though, it's too many people getting angry at too many other people. Like, there's yeah. <laughs> it just be too it's many of that, too much of that yeah. interaction. Like sometimes you could, you know, we, we got to just chill out sometimes when there's, there's some sort of like conflict or rift. That. Like there's a lot Not of- everything needs to be confrontational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the problem with Philly. Yeah. Just, Come live in the Midwest for a few years. Trust me, you'll think everything needs to be confrontational. <laughs> All right. Look, it sounds like you live right. in a peaceful life to me. So like, so don't complain about that. All right, there you uh, go. I'm glad we got that. It's been a while since we strayed from the Eagles talk and went to something else. I'm glad we got that in there. All right, uh, everybody, hang in there. We'll, we'll be back later this week. We'll break down a little bit of this film, but of course, look forward to the Eagles Cowboys game. You can listen to Solak and I on Extra Point Taken on Monday night. We'll break down everything else that's going on in the NFL. Thank you to Solak. Thank you to Cliff Augustine. I'm Shiel Kapadia. We'll talk to you soon on the Ringers Philly Special. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming, hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts, or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.